Travel, it's one of life's greatest pleasures. When we journey abroad, we discover new places and meet fascinating people, but we also gain perspective and take on a wider view of the world around us. That was Trevor Ranges, and I'm Scott Coates. After more than 25 years living and working in Asia, we've developed an amazing network of interesting characters throughout the region. Talk Travel Asia is our way of sharing them with you. Plug in and get connected to hot tips, interesting perspectives, and expert travel advice as we cultivate travel insight through intelligent conversation. Welcome to Talk Travel Asia, episode 84, Foreigner Faux Pas and Cultural Clumsiness in Asia. Asian cultures are often very different from Western ones, and many foreigners make some horribly embarrassing mistakes as a result of these disparities. Even those who have read up in their guidebooks about the do's and don'ts of a particular destination only grasp the general concept and not necessarily all of the nuances. Beyond the standard differences between East and West, such as greetings, like the handshake versus the bow, some are much more subtle and can lead to some awkward situations. Welcome to a special edition of Talk Travel Asia, Foreigner Faux Pas and Cultural Clumsiness in Asia. That's difficult to say. I'm Trevor Ranges, and this week we uh, have a special episode. Talk Travel Asia is doing a couple of crossover episodes with the hosts of Bangkok Podcast. My host today I've known for as long as I've been living in Asia, having been neighbors when I first moved to Bangkok, and then housemates for several years. And therefore, we have both experienced our share of foreigner faux pas. So joining me today from Bangkok is Ajahn Ed Krungte. How are you doing today, Ed? Wow. I'm good. I'm good. Uh, uh, I'm glad to be here on Talk Travel Asia. Uh, as Trevor said, uh, my name is Ed uh, Knuth or Ed Kruntep on Facebook. Uh, Trevor and I actually survived uh, for, I think, maybe three years as roommates, which is uh, is quite a feat. You know, uh, a lot of people don't make it that long. So we do know each other well. Uh, I've been in Thailand since 2000. And for the last eight years, I've been teaching at a Thai university. And uh, actually, for more than a decade, Travel, Trevor has been my go-to travel consultant in Asia, so uh, I'm a, I was a fan of Trevor's uh, travel advice before Talk Travel Asia even existed, um, and uh, I've made pretty much every faux pas in the book since I've been here, so I guess you could say I'm an expert on the do's and don'ts, uh, at least in Thailand. Yeah, you know, uh, and, and it's tricky. Yeah, we both spent so long in Thailand. Uh, so we probably know a bit more about what foreigners do and, and don't do right and, and some of the things that are easier to learn or make mistakes on. Uh, the simplest being just greeting people. You know, I think most people nowadays no know, no most doubt. people know that, that the ties why they put their hands together and kind of bow their head as a greeting as opposed to a handshake. But there's a lot more nuances than just that. Certainly, certainly. Yeah, I don't know. Like I, I remember when I first moved to Thailand, um, you kind of learn that the why is the thing to do, and you sort of just why everyone all the time. Um, right. But there's a, there's, it's kind of a sign of respect as well as a sign of deference almost um, and in the way that you why people and the order that you why people, yeah? Yeah. I, uh, I, to be honest, uh, I, I, I do actually find it uh, quite difficult to why in the same way that ties do it. You know, uh, I, I'm sure the listeners are aware that a, Thai culture is pretty non-confrontational. So if you if you make a mistake, uh, Thai people aren't going to uh, usually call you out on it, even though it might end up being awkward. So you don't need to do things perfectly. But of course, if you're uh, if you're a traveler, uh, you always want to you know when in Rome 
you should do as the Romans do, as they say. And so if you want to uh, kind of fit in in Thailand, you should take some time to try to figure out the, the like how to why properly. So, I mean, I'll give my basic take, and Trevor, you, you, you can correct me where, where you think I might be wrong. So on the one hand, you are supposed to why people who are older than you. So that's kind of the probably the basic foundation of, of bowing. So in general, you, you, it'll it'll be a little bit awkward or Thai people will chuckle a little bit if you why someone younger than yourself. I mean, that's basically true, right? Um, and then, and then, so, so, so it's kind of an age thing first. Um, but, uh, as Trevor kind of mentioned earlier, it also is a sign of kind of deference. And I think what happens sometimes is, uh, uh, foreigners in Thailand, they, they start to why, too many people like essentially we, we start wanting almost everybody or, or anyone who looks older than us but what Thai people don't really do that no. I mean, do they yeah and you know like sometimes I think the experience when I'm watching people just why indiscriminately it can be a little cringeworthy um, my my example is like the way Trump saluted the Korean general like sometimes you you're, there's just right. people you're not supposed right. to why right and it's nice and, That's and it's right. friendly and whatnot but like um, you know the reason you why older people is because you should respect your elders. So again, it's a thing of like respect. So there's also, you know, you should why your boss, perhaps even if they're younger than you in certain circumstances, like a business meeting or something. That's like right. That. I don't know. It, it, it's like you should why the most important people first. And sometimes that's the older people, but sometimes it, the older people are, have a lower status. So you wouldn't necessarily why them first. Um, it can be kind of complicated. Yeah. So, I mean, if you're, I mean, at least the, again, this is my, my take, um, uh, uh, for example, if you're if you're going to a restaurant, and let's say the waiter is older than you, uh, the the way I see it, you should not why them first because he's serving you. But if they once once they why you, I usually give like a quick why back, and I notice that Thai people do that. They tend to return a quick why to like a lower status person or something like that. Does that make sense? Yeah, you know that to, that's the way I saw it at first was that like. If, if someone wide you and you didn't why them back, I felt like it was someone holding their hand out to shake your hand and then you just sort of look at it. And right. It's not, I don't think it's quite that bad though, right? I mean, I think... No, not that bad. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think I've, I notice that Thai people sometimes just nod. You know, they'll, they'll give like a nod. If like a lower status person wise them, sometimes they'll give a nod. But usually they give a quick a quick why back. So the, my, my rough rule of thumb is if someone is... Uh, older than me and uh, kind of higher status than me, then I would, I always w try to why first. Uh, but if someone is younger, clearly younger than me and, and, and not ranked above me, like not my boss, then I just, I would never, I, I, I try not to why them first. I mean, is, is that a good rule? Is that a good rule of thumb? Yeah. And, and I also, we didn't even touch on it, but how high you why, right? Is another thing that we don't necessarily Dude. need to get into right now, but that's another part of it too, because I was thinking one of the challenges is when there's someone that you absolutely definitely should why, like your girlfriend or wife's parents, and you have both your hands full of grocery bags, you still have to make some sort of like effort to why, <laughs> right. even if they know you can't. Yeah. Oh, that whole height, that whole height of the why thing is definitely something Thai people pay attention to. But my my game, my why game is not is not that good. Like if they it, when they're whying someone of higher status, they hold their hands like right in front of their face, you know. And if they if they're kind of whying someone who's not that important, they hold their hands lower, kind of uh, like in front of their chest. Yeah, under the chin or something. Yeah, like but that. my because and that kind of segues nicely to the next point that I wanted to discuss was uh, 
the status of the head versus the feet, which is something that a lot of foreigners hear about. But I think that's the point of the why going like below the chin or in no front doubt. of the face or above no the head. It has something to do with your head being like sacred. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't, um, I only have a few. Uh, so, so that's definitely true. So in, in general, uh, and I'm not sure, I mean, Trevor, you probably know more than I do about this. I don't know if this extends much beyond Thailand. I don't know if it's an Asian thing or is it just a Thai thing. But Thai people definitely look at the bottom of the feet as something really dirty, like way, way dirtier than you and I would think about it. Like, I mean, this is a, a bit crude, but I, I've had people explain to me that they think of the bottom of the feet kind of like we think about someone's ass. Yeah. You know, it's like, you know, it's like they, they really think the bottom of the feet are like. It's like kind, mooning uh, someone if you put your feet up on yeah. the seat. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. I mean, they really think of it as something like gross. I mean, is that does that extend beyond Thailand? Do you have any idea? I think it's a, across the, the Buddhist countries. I think most Buddhist nations think that way, you know, and it might have something to do mm. with. I don't know. This, I'm, I'm just poking in the dark here, but uh, monks are barefoot often. But I think just back in the day, you're barefoot often and your feet get dirty like your shoes do. Like Asian people don't wear shoes inside. That's a cultural uh, right. difference. Right. right. So something. it's probably connected. Right. Well, I have a couple uh, uh, kind of, I guess, dirty feet stories. So I have seen uh, foreigners get kicked out of temples for like, like stupidly kind of sitting down with their feet pointed towards or the bottom of their feet pointed towards uh, like the Buddha. Buddha. Yeah, statues. that's a big no. So that's yeah, it's a pretty basic thing. I don't know. I don't know how they could make that mistake. But when you go into a Thai temple, you should uh, kneel with your feet away from the the statue. Um, and then the, un the the other thing that I was a bit surprised at uh, this was years ago. But I was uh, on a photo shoot in Ayutthaya, uh, where there's uh, these fantastic old temples and also Buddhist statues. And uh, my friend was doing yoga poses in front of the Buddha statues. And there were some uh, kind of security guards around, and they were totally fine with it. We just kind of like nodded at him, and it's a tourist place, so everyone is taking photos. And so they, you know, he was doing all kinds of cool yoga poses, like, and we were making great photographs. But as soon as he did a uh, handstand and raised his feet up, they, they came over and said, we weren't allowed to do that. That that like that we weren't allowed. He weren't, he wasn't allowed to raise his feet up like like near like the same height as like the as the the Buddha's head. Or there's also murals on the ceiling, and to point your feet at those murals. Probably. Yeah. Well, we were outside. Uh, we this was uh, we you know oh. we were outside in the Utia like in front of like the ruins, you know. Um, and so they did. They, so they, they, they basically he could do he could do yoga poses, but not inverted ones with his feet, you know, pointed point, like they were like above. The Buddha statues. So yeah, respect uh, for the religion uh, and the Buddha um, extends beyond that too. I think because my foot story is about uh, the king of Thailand, and uh, obviously people should know better than to. And I sometimes get uncomfortable when people joke about it when they come to visit. Like even joking about making fun of the royal family is is kind right. of taboo. Um, but my mine was incidental. It was uh, it, you know I was in a Seven Eleven or something and. Uh, someone had handed me some change and one of the coins bounced on the counter and was falling to the ground. And I have pretty good oh, like right. hacky sack skills. So I just like used my foot to like flip it back up and catch it. And then I looked Dude. up expecting uh, my girlfriend and the 7-Eleven worker to be impressed by like my skills. And they were right. just like aghast, just like, oh my God, did you really just do that? And I didn't That's right. I mean, the king's, that, the, king's, the king's face is on yeah, the all the money, right? the king's face is on the coin, and I just kicked it, and they were shocked, you know? And I just never even... So even, like, deference for the money because of that, and the fact that I used my foot made it that much worse. 
no doubt i mean i think uh, I, i've I, i've never made that particular mistake but i've heard of people uh stepping on money you know like like by mistake and then that is considered a big insult like you I mean, it obviously wouldn't happen often, but you should not step on a bill or anything like that. I imagine even um, if, if someone yeah, did that by accident, they would have to go to a temple and like, you know, right. Right. Yeah. You know, uh, 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 again, as I'm sure the listeners have heard before, uh, Thai people are uh, incredibly, uh, I think, flexible and socially laid back with only a couple exceptions. And like, obviously, the, the monarchy is one exception. And then Buddhism and Buddhist symbols, that is the other exception. So as long as you, as long as you steer clear of those two things, Thai people are, are kind of difficult to insult, I think. Yeah. You steer clear of those two things. Yeah. And that kind of rolls into the next one as well is, is saving face. There's this concept of face in Asia. And that spans no doubt. all of Asia, probably, you know, this concept of face. Um, and, and I think that's something that's a little bit different for foreigners, um, just because, you know, we understand like the, the, the term reputation and having a reputation and stuff like that. But it's like sure. it's different than, than that. You know, it, I mean, it's part of your reputation, I think. But but face is almost like a situational thing. Um, for sure. You know, the way I've tried to figure it out is it, it, it's kind of like, let's suppose uh, if I think my, my normal American way of thinking, if I call you out on something. Uh, in public, if I call you out on something in public, uh, and I'm right, so I like you, you did some bad thing, and I call you out on it in public, like the, the, I feel like the issue in, in in the states or in the West would be, am I telling the truth or not? Right, like that's kind of like the key issue. You who's know? right? But in Asia, right, right, who's right? And it, but but in Thailand and probably Asia, it, you, you may be right. But they, but they will still consider it wrong for you to do it in public and let other people know. Yeah, so what I think you what know. you're trying to say is that you actually lose face as well. Like, you're making me lose face by making me look stupid in front of people. But by your doing that, you're, even though you may be right, right. you've right. lost face. It's a faux pas. Right. It's un, they see it as unnecessary. And they, they, um, they, they basically, they, they, even if you're telling the truth, they basically think you're being a jerk. You know, by doing something like that. Yeah, that um, actually happened you know, to me recently, and and sometimes it's hard because I think there's a, a difference in conflict resolution between our cultures. Um, no doubt. And and I think that's part of it is that uh, you know one instance is that like suppose you're having some you're upset or you're having some sort of disagreement with uh, people from certain Asian cultures, and in order to kind of diffuse the situation, they often laugh, and for us that that can be insulting or you know making you feel worse because they're now laughing at you as well but but that's not really what's happening that's exactly right uh, actually uh greg jorgensen and i have talked about this on the bangkok podcast it's like it's uh you know uh, you know thai people smile a lot and they certainly smile a lot to just diffuse uh situations so even in situations where uh like a thai person has done something wrong clearly wrong they will sometimes laugh and it's easy to misinterpret as a Westerner, like if you don't understand what's going on, like they're just trying to lower the tension and, and, uh, and, and chill people out. Yeah, that actually reminds me of something that we didn't necessarily talk about before when we were brainstorming, but uh, there's many different kinds of smile. Uh, I think that's true, no doubt. Um, I, I mean, I think, ta I, I think the, uh, I mean, this is, this is a whole other topic, but we could touch on it a little bit. I, I think, you know, there, there, there is a, a downside to this Thai habit of smiling all the time because even Thai people themselves sometimes criticize other Thai people for being fake. Like I, I, I've heard my, you know, you know, it's like it's, there's a plus side to kind of 
always being nice. You know, there's a plus side to that. It like reduces confrontation. But uh, the downside is sometimes they, they're not honest about what they're really feeling. You know, I guess this ties into Greng Jai, the issue of Greng Jai. Yeah, we were going to touch on Greng Jai, especially in dating, but that's totally right. There's some sort of, again, it's a difficulty with communicating on, on the same level that we're accustomed to communicating. And, and just even sticking on saving face before we move on to Greng Jai, or just these differences of communication. Like, at one of my jobs, my office was, you know, 10 yards from my boss's desk, and often I found it better to communicate for, via email, especially when I had to say something critical, like because um, oh, right, sure. our, our delivery of criticism and, and the way they accept criticism often can create emotional tension um, that I found was diffused via email. Yeah, I, I think that's certainly true. That's good advice for anyone who's uh, working with uh, Thai people or I think any other Asians. Like They certainly don't like to be confronted in public. Like They don't like to be just face-to-face you know, you did this wrong. That's not going to go over. That's not going to go over well. Like they, they, they prefer things to be handled like low key, like through not necessarily back channels, but email, like something that's not yeah. public. And then at a, on a different level, if you take it down to like the, the regular people that you interact with, let's say like at the airport or at a Starbucks or something like that, um, at least in Thailand, this is, this is true, but I think I've found this experience elsewhere, is that when they don't know what to do or, or they don't know what you're talking about, um, the, the default will kind of be to say yes to you rather than say, oh, I don't know or something. <laughs> no doubt. You know, I've, I've talked about this before with my Thai friends, and I think part of what's going on is I think Thai people, uh, their heart is almost always in the right place. I really believe that. I, I, I think... Uh, Thai people are in general like pretty sweet people and they they, they want to help and um, they they get embarrassed when they can't help you and sometimes they get, sometimes they can end up doing more harm than good you know it's kind of like when you know if you like when, like when you ask directions and you ask them like is this temple down here and to the left like you know what they if they don't know they really should say I yeah, don't know no. but a lot of times they'll just they'll just say yes they'll just say yes because they want to make you happy yeah. but it's it's it, you know, it, it, it can backfire pretty badly, you know? Yeah, you'll learn that you have to ask, like, multiple questions. You ask, like, the next question, be like, is it on the right? And if they say yes to that, then you know you're in trouble. Because I yeah, found it, exactly like, right. that, because you want to ask yes or no questions, because I found that when you ask either or questions, you get a yes often. And because uh, <laughs> you were like, you know, what's the fastest way to get to the airport? And maybe they didn't understand you because I talk fast. You'd be like, is the train the fastest way to the airport? And they'll say yes. And then I'll be like, is the taxi the fastest way to the airport? And they'll say yes. And they'll be like, That's which right. is faster, the train or the taxi? And they'll say yes. And then I'm like, all right, they have no idea what I'm talking about. Right. Yeah, you do have to be careful. You definitely have to be careful. You know, although, like I said, I think, I think their heart is in the right place. They're, they're, they're trying to help. Yeah, that's why they're saying yes. They want to be agreeable, but uh, most yes. most yeah. foreigners are going to have no idea. It's going to take it takes a while to, to pick up on that one. Uh, but you mentioned earlier uh, Greng Jai and like in Thai- Thailand and dating, um, I think that comes up often. And I know that like the kind of common situation for that would be. Um, well, should you know, we uh, should we explain? Uh, yeah, I think one should explain first, that first. It's probably a good idea. Well, here's my understanding of Greng Jai. So Greng Jai is one of those terms that. Um, is kind of famous for maybe not having an exact equivalent in English, you know. So I think I think I think Thai people, 
Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think at least Thai people consider it as kind of a special concept. So probably the closest English word is probably the word deference. But that, but I agree with Thai people. I don't think that really captures it. Uh, I, I think Krang Jai is a is an unwillingness to inconvenience people that are higher status than you, or 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 someone you're trying to show deference to. So it's like they 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 don't want to cause inconvenience or or pain to someone. They want to be agreeable. They want to be adaptable, and it can cause them to um, maybe agree to things that they 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 really don't like. I mean, is, does that make sense? I mean, how, how how do you explain it? Yeah, I think that's the point, and you you, you touched on it earlier when you said uh, sometimes it backfires, right? And and this seems to be kind of that situation. The, I, I this didn't happen to me. I don't even remember who told me the story, but like it's definitely happened to me. Just not this exact example where you say, hey, you know, you're going on a date, and or you're going out to dinner with your girlfriend, and be like, hey, where do you want to eat? And she's like, oh, I don't know, up to you. And you'd be like, how about Italian food? You know, I I really like some Italian food, and they agree. And then they won't eat because they don't actually like Italian food. They just right. didn't want to say no to you when you suggested it. And for us, that's it was exactly just a right. suggestion. You know, we're trying to yeah. But uh, that's exactly right. You know, my uh, my experience in a in a school that I used to teach at, I don't teach at anymore. When sometimes when I had to make uh, appointments with students, like you know, makeup classes with let's say a group of three or four students, you know, I would suggest a time, and they would all immediately agree. Right, and then later I'd get an email from my boss saying, "Oh, they're really not free at that time. They can't come at that time," you know. But but they didn't want to say to my face, you know. So it's really weird, you know. It's like they they're not free, but they wanted to say yes, you know. To you know they you know to to show deference to me. Um, yeah, I think this is one of the, the, those things. And again, it, it isn't solely to Thailand. I mean, Prang Dai is a bit, but like I think that concept does still exist here in Cambodia, um, just because they have some somewhat similar cultures. Um, and I think it's one of the ones that takes the longest time to get accustomed to, and uh, and, and I think in, in a lot of these instances it reminds me of uh, the saying here where you know this part of the world will make patient impatient people learn to be patient, um, <laughs> and at the same time it makes patient people experience you know impatience. Is that a word? Uh, impatience. You know. You know, I, I can't remember if we talked, you know, over the years, I feel like you and I must have talked about this at some point, but this, this makes me remember some, I don't, uh, you know, I, I've never really studied culture directly, like academically. I don't know anything about culture, cultural studies, but I've heard, uh, I've heard, uh, Asian culture described as a high context culture and the West described as a low context culture. And I remember when I first heard that, I, I didn't understand it at all. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, we have like high context in the west but the the idea is um has to do with how much westerners versus asians perceive that things need to be made clear with words so in 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 the west we 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 tilt towards the idea that things need to be verbalized to be made clear you know in a way it's almost like a legalistic thing where it's like we tend we tend to try to put everything in words so so for that's our idea of clarity uh, but I think in Asian culture, they tend to say less and rely on people's understanding of the situation. Like, and, and, I, and I've yeah, there's rules for cultural interactions that go that's right. unstated. Yeah, and you know, I've talked to my students about this. Uh, you know, because my students are t- Thai, but getting kind of a Western education. So I'm I'm trying to explain to them how Western culture works. And you know, they've said you know they when I 
give this explanation, they, they, they heartily agree with it. Like they, they said a lot of their parents don't explain things to them. Like they're expected to pay attention to how their parents act and kind of emulate them. And they're like, in, in a way it's like, I, you know, obviously as a Westerner, I, I see the wisdom in the way that we do things, but I, but I think part of the, like the part of this Asian attitude is that their approach is why do we have to explain everything like why do we have to talk about everything you know it's like you should be smart enough to pay attention and kind of learn learn from experience and learn by the role model of people older than you you know does that make sense yeah and then i think like people i mean i don't want to sound negative or anything like that but indoctrination whereas you know and i mean setting aside the fact that America is an individualist culture, like a lot of Western democracies place greater emphasis on the individual, whereas like Asian cultures sure. maybe have more about like, you know, this family and the, the community. But even like the thing right. with hierarchies, you know, like a lot of these cultures in Asia have hierarchies and, and then the people above you are supposed to serve as role models for you that you're supposed to emulate. And then that kind of trickles down and you aspire to be more like them in, in Buddhism that will attain you greater karma. Right. And certainly, so, certainly. So those types of concepts play a part of it. Um, yeah, I would say for sure, I've noticed at my university, since I have some status as a professor, as an Ajahn, I have some status. Um, and then, of course, there's people above me in, uh, in my boss and everything. And one thing I've noticed is that um, the, way, the way Thai people perceive authority, to them, what it really means is that you don't have to explain yourself to people beneath you. You know, whereas I, I, I think in the West, we actually, obviously people, we have a hierarchy and people who are above us. But I think that, uh, I think that Westerners feel more of a duty to explain why they're doing what they're doing. They might still have the final word. Like obviously businesses in the States are not democracies. You know, there's going to be a boss and the boss is going to do what he wants to do. But I feel that there's a... Uh, more of a compulsion to explain why they're doing what they're doing. Um, uh, I mean, one very simple example that I that makes my job easier is um, uh, at my university, we we are not allowed to return exams to students with comments. We're not allowed to do that. Like my students, my students get a grade, um, and most of them just accept the grade. And then if the, my students want to come in and talk about their exam, then we sit down across from each other and I explain what they did wrong, but I'm not even allowed to give the exam back because they, they're really concerned about exam security and they want professors to be able to reuse exams. Isn't that strange? Oh, so you have um, to collect them again. They don't get to keep them, right? They, they never see them. They, they, they take the exam, they hand it in to me, and then they never see it again. Hmm. That, that this is my entire university. That's Isn't odd. that crazy? You know, I mean, I couldn't believe, I mean, I couldn't believe this. You know, at my, uh, where I, you know, I went to uh, the University of Michigan undergrad and we had a uh, a student affairs office, and you could go in there, and in the file cabinet, you could go to the course that you're taking, and it would have all the past exams there yeah. that the teacher that the teacher had given. Like it was public; all the past exams were were public because because in the states, uh, you know, I'm assuming our listeners know this. In the states, like you know, the the teacher grades your exam, records the score, but then gives you the exam back. Yeah, so, often so with all comments. These, yeah. Yeah, and all the exams. So all the exams, all the four, all the old exams are floating around in public. And fraternities and then, save like a filing cabinet. Yeah, exactly, board. exactly. So in Michigan, students could just turn it into the student affairs office, and then they would just collect all the old exams. Well, at my university, there's uh, students never get to see their exam uh, after they. Huh. Uh, you, you know, know that's after weird because uh, you know 
I did my MBA with the University of Hawaii in, in Ho Chi Minh City, and the professors had even exclaimed how much different the, the teaching in the, the educational experience was for us in Vietnam, often because like during an exam, the person sitting next to me would just like turn to me and like ask me the, to, for help with one of the questions because like... Oh, really? Yeah. In the middle of the exam? Yeah, they're so collaborative. Oh they don't even think like, I'm like, I'm not really supposed to give you the answer to that. But even like when we'd be doing like big group projects and MBA programs traditionally in America are very competitive, right? But it was very sure. common when groups were working on their group projects for one person to get up and go over to the other group and sit down and start talking with them and asking for help. And oh, absolutely. Like, totally absolutely. collaborative because uh, they have a different concept of, like, it, it's not competitive business, right? For Vietnamese, they've no been raised no in a culture where, you know, collaboration is, is better. I was, uh, I was shocked in one of my first university jobs. I it, it was a it was a long class, like three hours, and I didn't want to lecture for all of the three hours. So I lectured for like an hour. We took a break, and then I gave uh, uh, some study questions for the students to do based on my lecture. And I broke the class down into a bunch of different teams, and they had to fill out the questions, and then they could go home. And so it was like four person teams, and I told the students, "All right, this is uh, teamwork, but there's." I don't want anyone, any team helping any other team. So you get your questions, you write down your four names, and you guys work, you know, on your own. You're four, you know, so choose your teams wisely. And so that, that was my direct instruction. And then as soon as I handed it out, the whole class just started working together. They just all started watching, exactly like you said. One, one member from one team would just walk around to the other team, like, what do you guys get for this? Like, Right after I just told them they can't do that, they just the whole class just starts helping each other. And then that raises the That's question exactly of where's happened. the respect for Ajahn Ed? You know, like uh... right, right. I'm supposed to right, right. What happens to the deference? Where's the deference to my? Uh, well, it's you know maybe there's there, there's basically a clash then between uh, Asian values. You know, because the, one of their values is to defer to authority, another is to work yeah, together. Yeah. Um, all right, well, we're, I think we're straying off the traveler uh, topic, and I'm sure people <laughs> find this interesting because there are so many differences. I think that's the point of us straying a bit. But let's get back to something uh, that might be a little bit more useful to visitors. And, For and travelers. That's, uh, bathrooms. Okay, sure. Oh, wow, yeah. Yeah, um, I mean, I feel like we could probably do a whole show on bathrooms. <laughs> what, toilet I mean, etiquette I mean, in Thailand? Yeah, I mean, I mean the obvious thing is uh, the 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 squat toilet versus like the seated toilet. That's like, I guess the most obvious thing, right? Yeah. Cause it's funny. We'd start to interrupt before you go on. Um, you know, lots of times I remember I, I worked at a ski area in New Zealand and they had a sign that had a picture of someone standing on the toilet seat and like, don't stand on the toilet seat, you know, for the Western toilet. And I'm like, <laughs> why would anyone possibly stand on the toilet seat? I just didn't get it. There's, right. Right. There was like ski boot seat, <laughs> like footprints on the toilet seat. <laughs> so funny yeah well i think that uh well you know if, if travelers are in bangkok i think that uh almost everywhere has like sit down toilets i mean i, I suppose if you get if you get off the beaten path though you might run into squat toilets right jj market used to be all squat toilets back in, i don't know about now yeah, but, yeah. and oftentimes like, i mean i know if you really got to go that might be your only option so uh, it's good to oh, know i've been in, yeah i've been in that i've been in that situation i, I mean i know that it's you more and... comfortable it's more natural really it is in a way. Like once you've done it a few times, you kind of get the point. Uh, it it does seem more natural to to some extent. But then there's the whole issue of how you're going to clean yourself. Yeah, you really you know, you're like really have to go. You're in this local market, and you're like, oh, I'll use the squat toilet, and then you're done. And suddenly there's like, oh, there's no paper. There's no toilet paper. Yeah. So uh, the listeners should be aware that there's typically going to be a basically a hose 
uh, you what you could call it whatever you want. Uh, we, like I usually just call it a bum gun. Um, there's going to be some kind of hose to spray yourself down. Uh, but but even after you do that, there's no tissue to dry yourself with. Well, yeah, it's better to be clean. I mean, they sell most most places will sell. There'll be like a little machine, and for like ten cents, you can buy some toilet paper or some tissues, really. Um, before That's you right. go in. And actually, sometimes you're lucky if you get the bum gun. I mean, the bum gun's great. Like, a lot of people think it's gross. Every time I'm home, one of my friends, Josh, he, after traveling in Asia, had one installed in his bathroom in Hawaii. Um, oh, really? Yeah, just because, like, after, you you know, once you've gone, gone bum gun, like, you, you can't go back almost. I had him installed in my place here in, in Phnom Penh because it didn't have them. Like, how could you live? It's a good, no, I mean, I, I think they're a good thing. I prefer having the option. You know, I, I like, I like, I like having what I grew up with, but uh, I think I think the bum gun is uh, is uh, is good technology. Well, I Japanese. never experienced this. Yeah. Well, I I I've heard that they're quite sophisticated in Japan. Is that correct? Yeah, they have like fans and heated seats and temperature controls and all sorts of great stuff like that. But actually, oftentimes in Asia, you don't even get the bum gun. You get just like a bucket of water. Right. Yeah, that's exactly right. You get a bucket of water with like a scoop, like a big scoop in it. And the most important thing to know about that is just that you're, you're supposed to use that to flush. And you can't just trickle the water in. You have to fill up a big scoop and just like let it dump and to, to create some That's exactly of, right. Because I remember yeah, like the first to... time I used one of those, I'm like, how come it won't go down? And like I kept pouring water yeah. in. That's right. That's right. Yeah, you have to scoop up a big amount and then just dump it in there. And, and it, the force, the volume of the water forces the, you know, the yeah. everything down. And if the, all this weren't drain. enough to make using the toilet awkward when you're in Asia, um, there's also the bathroom massage. Yeah, I mean, l luckily it's not very common, but it's one, it's one, it, you know, when I think about my time in Thailand, it, it in a way it was probably the most shocking thing that's ever happened to me. I mean, uh, I'll, uh, <laughs> Mark, you know, my, it, I mean, I mean, I, I was I was in a big uh, a, a big beer hall basically, and uh, I went into the restroom, and they they, they had a, they had a bathroom guy, whatever you want to call him. Like, what do you call those guys? Like, bathroom attendant. Uh, like a, a bathroom attendant, yeah. And uh, you know, they 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 have like hot towels and things like that, and they're looking for a tip. But I didn't I didn't yeah, want that's a pretty hot normal. Towel or I mean, they even have a comb yeah. and like some you know random like cologne and yeah. stuff like that, and that's not too yeah. Easy. So I just. Yeah, right. So I just waved him off, you know, no thank you, you know, politely. And then I went to the urinal, stand-up urinal, and, uh, you know, while I'm peeing, uh, he came up and started to massage the back of my, you know, the back of my shoulders. The first time, and, if you don't know about this, is is always shocking. You're just... You're oh, my jumping. God. I, I mean, I jumped and, like, peed on the wall. You know, it's like... Because it's like... Like, a, a guy touching another guy in a restroom is not a good thing to do. Yeah, they put like, a hot by, towel by, on by, your by, neck and start rubbing your shoulders... Right. And uh, you and I have a mutual friend. And this actually never happened to me. But our mutual friend, uh, Richard, Richard, if you're out there listening, hello to you. But uh, his story is, I think, even slightly funnier. He said while he was peeing, um, a hand, a hand reached around the front of his face with a mint to put it in his mouth. <laughs> Isn't that great? Yeah. A mint, yeah, like, it's just, it just had, like a disembodied hand, a disembodied hand tried to put a mint in his mouth. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, wow. yeah, the first time it happened to me was, was pretty funny, too. But uh, I think, you know, even if you know about it, and you're expecting it. I mean, you can learn to be like, no, thanks. You know, I don't need the rub down. Right. But uh, if you don't, sometimes they'll, they'll come for you. And I've even heard stories of getting like people's legs massaged, uh, like two guys, like three yeah. hand, four hands you, massage. You, <laughs> and, oh, really? Know. Wow. Well, you got to watch your back. So that's our advice to the listeners out there for for the men in the bathrooms. You got to You got to watch your back. You got to watch your back for sure. At least Literally, in the Thai bathroom. Right? <laughs> no doubt um how about something like uh eating you know i noticed here that uh you know i went out and i was like it's interesting that 
Um, I've gotten so used to eating with a fork and spoon in Thailand and uh, Cambodian people actually use chopsticks for things that I, I assume that I should use a spoon for nowadays since I've become uh, you know, a Thai person, I guess, for, for eating purposes. So do you think Cambodians use chopsticks more than Thai people do? Yeah, it's, it lots of people come and they, they associate chopsticks with Asia. And uh, at least in Thailand, people really only use chopsticks for Chinese food, which is like noodle soup, yeah. which comes from China. Yeah, that's that's right. I mean, maybe uh, you know, occasionally see. Yeah, I guess I guess you're right. I would say they, they don't use chopsticks a lot with Thai food. I wouldn't say they. they well, don't I think do it's it for often. food of Chinese origin because Chinese people yeah. are the ones who invented chopsticks. I, I assume. Right. 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 And that, that's not that different than in the U.S. I mean, because you know, because I, I used to use chops. I remember my parents teaching me how to use chopsticks with Chinese food. It was kind of goofy, but I mean, like it was, my parents wanted me to know how to use chopsticks, even though I grew up in Ohio and my parents are. Yeah, sure. No, it's good to know how to do. But like you wouldn't eat Pad Thai with chopsticks. And again, like Thai people aren't necessarily going to laugh at you or something like that, but they just don't eat Pad Thai with. Yeah, usually not. Yeah, certainly not. Um, And I noticed, uh, I don't know, what do you think about this? Is this, uh, the way I view Thai people's use of utensils, I feel that Thai people don't like or think it's correct to put a fork up to your mouth like they they tend not they don't like spike things like we do like i spike stuff and stick it in my mouth you know what i'm saying no but there's great there's, there's some weird really there's definitely that. more etiquette than we're than we're discussing just yet like even just thai people eat family style cambodian eat, people eat family style like i think it's kind right. of common here in asia that like all the food is there to share and sometimes there's serving spoons sometimes there's not serving spoons and like the rules for you know who should take first from the plate and then how much you should take and what utensil you should use to take it and there's some complicated steps in here yeah i mean i think they i think that in general and this is probably true for thai people in general in general they are kind of neater and cleaner like they're just kind of or like just when they eat, it's just, you know, I, I guess to some extent that's a stereotype of Asian people. They're kind of polite and, but uh, like they, 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 like I, I think what Thai people do is I think they use the fork to like scoop stuff over onto the spoon. That's what I think what they do. And then they put the spoon to their mouth, you know, so they don't stab stuff and like stick it in their, stick it in their, in their maw. <laughs> yeah. Like I do. Because like, you know, like, you could go on a date with this dainty Thai girl and she could eat like a rack of ribs and, and not even use a napkin. Like <laughs> that's exactly right. Yeah. yeah, they, yeah they're very, they're definitely neater and cleaner. That's, that's just part of the so, culture. So just, you know, I guess I'm, our advice for travelers is just try not to be such a barbarian when you eat. Yeah. Try and like, yeah, try not to make a mess. You know, I, I, I even tease my students about this when I look at their like notes in class, they're so neat and like organized. And it's almost like their, their notes are like a work of art. I'm like, there's no scrawling. There's no like, like doodles. Like my notes were like a nightmare when I was in school. It was just cause I'm just scratching and it's just, everything is neat and clean. It's, it's, a, yeah, it's definitely I think a tie, the, like, a tie you know, thing. The, the big clumsy foreigner kind of uh, stereotype. I don't know if that's a stereotype, but we're a bit, uh, it's we're a bit kind rougher of true. around it's the basically edges, true. and you'll get little, the, those polite smiles and little giggles sometimes. And <laughs> yeah, 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 no doubt, no doubt. Some, you know, s- stereotypes are, are. It's not good to judge individuals based on a stereotype, but that doesn't mean that stereotypes are all false. You know, actually, you know that I mean? reminds me of another one, like how big my nose is. Like, there's I, if I didn't ever see a mirror, I would know that I have a kind of big nose because, like, people will be like, "You got a big nose." 
<laughs> you, <know>? like, <laughs> you mean what do you mean Cambodian people just tell no, you, you just have a big nose? Like, it happens often in Asia. Not just another nose, but like just like how fat you are, like you know things like that. Or if you're bald, like people like there's there's a difference here about like just saying things about people or asking questions that are personal. Like the, well, I think that is a fascinating point. The reason it's a fascinating point is that in general. Asian people, I would say, are more polite in general, and they're also less direct. They're less direct about many things, but for some reason, about personal appearance, they can be strangely direct. Like, like they'll just tell you that you're fat. You know, like, like if they haven't seen you in a long time, they'll just say, like, "Wow, you really got fat." And it, you know, so in some certain things, like at least I can speak for Thai people, they're actually more direct. You know what I mean? It's weird. Yeah, and it's often again things that that are a bit shocking to to Westerners, like talking about how bald you are or something. And apparently, like, like a no, having yeah. a big nose isn't such a bad thing. My nose isn't that big; it's just bigger than Asian people's. And, and I think that yeah, uh, I don't think your, your nose is that big. No, but, but compared I've to heard, like, I've, Asian nose, yeah. yeah, I've heard this nose thing though before. I've heard different guys tell me that like you're like why why do Thai people always say I have a big nose? I've heard this from other people before. <laughs> you should just say thank you. You know, like I think, right. yeah, like go with, go, you know, like when in Rome, just say yes back. If you, if, if they tell you yeah. anything weird or like, you know, wow, you're, well, the, you're really you know, fat. The, I'd be like, yes. Well, the generic answer in Thailand is always to smile and laugh. Like if you just keep smiling and laughing, you'll be fine. Yeah. Um, now it's something that I think is a, a, a bit more, I don't know. It's, it, it's not necessarily going to be fine. Um, Driving a motorbike is a leading cause of death of foreigners in Asia, and I'm always nervous whenever people come over here and they're like, "Oh, I'll just rent a motorbike or something," and uh, it it's largely because the the way that people drive in this part of the world, and it varies from country to country, the rules of the road, but like there's cultural differences about driving that make it uh, very dangerous. Agreed. Uh, uh, the Bangkok podcast, Greg and I just talked about this uh, a couple days ago, and. Uh, yeah, I mean, our the roads here in Thailand, I, I, I don't know our current ranking, but I think we're maybe like the third most dangerous in the world, something like that. And so, yeah, for, yeah. so I mean, the if, if for my short stay here at uh, Talk Travel Asia, if I could give any advice, it would be to be very careful when walking on the street, when driving, riding a bicycle, on a motorbike, uh, in a tuk-tuk, uh, the, the streets are dangerous. you got to keep your no wits about, about you when you're around cars or on them. You absolutely do. You absolutely do. And it's not just because, like, ooh, Asians are crazy drivers, which is like a stereotype. There's actual, like, literal differences in, in the way yeah, people yeah, drive, it's not, and it's accepted, it's the, you know? Yeah, I think uh, part of it is that a lot of the laws are just not enforced, so there's just there's this general attitude of laxity, whether it's people, like, going through red lights because they don't see anyone or whether it's turning when they're not supposed to like there's just general laxity and in in the states uh, or at least in the west where you know most laws are enforced that allows you to predict what other people are going to do but here you don't know that a lot of these things are not enforced and so you're it makes it harder for you to predict what other people are going to do well but again I, I get it is that i think you know there isn't law enforcement the way that there is in the west necessarily but even like i was down on on the in Bangkok and there's a big crosswalk there by the big sea and there's police at rush hour kind of directing traffic but even while he's letting the cars go people will just jaywalk they'll just jaywalk in a cross I mean they're in the crosswalk right. but they'll just go even though the cops not telling them to go and they'll just walk in front of cars and stuff no and doubt. Then, like red lights even people will roll if, it, if there's no real reason to stop they'll slow down a little bit but you know if you're in the far lane away from the turn lane people will just run it and again like 
that's okay. Like, the, I mean, that's just rational because there's no reason to stop. Like, why would you stop at a red light when there's no other cars coming? It's just stupid. Right. And that's how I feel agreed, when I'm agreed. home after I've gotten used to right. here. But like when I cross right, the road near my office, sorry, when I cross the road near my office, like I know people are going to run red lights because that is kind of accepted. So even when you're in a crosswalk, even when you're going with the light, you have to look left and then right and then left and then right. And you have to keep looking the whole way across because there no can't even be people running the red light going the wrong way. Right, but I mean, right, but travelers who aren't used to that, then they're not going to know to do that. So I mean, this is the the best advice is to keep your eyes peeled and look in both directions, and and d don't expect people to always follow the law. That's probably that's probably the best advice. Don't expect everyone on the road to follow the law. Yeah, and then uh, you know, driving if you're going to ride a motor motorbike, which I, I definitely don't recommend and one of trevor's top travel tips is to always wear closed-toed shoes anytime you're ever on a motorbike in asia even if you're riding as a you know on the back oh, don't wear shorts taxi. jeans right. even are really key even if you're like at the beach like bali or something like that like and then it's different like when you're riding uh and, and you do go to stop at a red light people will get mad at you like what the hell are you doing why are you stopping in front of me you know like there seems to be this like you should always keep moving um, as long as you have the opportunity <laughs> to keep moving and the people behind right, you right, like, right. just go, like, don't even worry about that. You know, like I noticed this first in Laos, but ever since then, it's a pretty widespread across Asia that when people turn into traffic, they don't stop and look before they turn into traffic. They just turn right in front of whatever cars might be oh, there. Wow. And as long as they're in front of you, they turn in front of you, you're behind them. So it's your job not to crash into them, you know? So right, you right, really right. do need to be a defensive driver on the one hand. And on the other hand, you're supposed to just go. Like, just go. You know, don't even worry about it. The rear view mirror, that, in, in the West, that's for, like, seeing what's behind you. In Asia, it's for checking your face when you're parked, you know, maybe, like, tweezing <laughs> some chin hairs out or right. something. Right. No yeah. doubt. No doubt. This is an important one, I think, because this is something people never really think about. But like even just getting out of a car, getting into and out of a car in Asia, there's traffic differences that can make that uh, a really bad idea, like if you do it wrong. Well, I, I, I did that twice. I mean, my, my first month in Thailand, I opened up a taxi twice that got hit by a motorbike because I, I, I was on the lane next to the curb. And in the states, if you're in the in the in the states, if you're in the lane next to the curb, you can open up like to your left, uh, or whatever in the states would be to your right, I guess. But uh, but but here, like motorbikes use that sh small lane, and uh, so I got hit twice uh, in the first month being here. Yeah, motorbikes can ride uh, in California. You can do that as well, like ride in between cars. But in Asia, the motorbikes just sort of go wherever, and lots of times it's on the inside between the cars and the curb. And uh, my friend Noah, when he came out, same thing happened to him. I think he clipped two taxis too. Yeah. You just get out of the taxi, you just open the door because you're at the curb and the taxi stop, and then a motorbike, boom, drives right into the door. And then that's your fault. You, you got to pay it. for the damage to the taxi and the motorbike. I did. Yeah, no, I had to pay for that. Uh, even though I bet technically they were breaking Thai law, but they were not. They, they, but that is that is Thai custom. That's Thai custom. Yeah. No so I, I, you kind of train yourself. Like now you never open a door without like looking out the back window, right? Yes, that's the advice. Like, never open the door of a car or taxi without looking behind you. But it's you. hard because you're not trained for that. It's a, like it's a difference. Like, it's the thing yep. that you adopt or that Thai people know. Right. You know. right. Well, now your listeners know to do that. So hopefully they'll 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 learn something from this podcast. Yeah. Do you think there's anything else that uh, people should know? Well, there's uh, quite a lot, probably. <laughs>
but uh, <laughs> but we've given enough advice. I, I was trying to think about it, and I was like, God, I don't want to say anything too stupid that I've done. I mean, uh, right. <laughs> There's a lot of other advice we could give, but yeah. Yeah, maybe we'll save those for for a different episode. But uh, yeah, thanks for coming on. So uh, you, you talked on some of these subjects on Bangkok podcast. Uh, so why don't you tell, us, right. a bit, tell on... us a little bit about Bangkok podcast? Is it on iTunes, SoundCloud, all that jazz? Uh, well, the, probably the easiest way to reach us is just bangkokpodcast.com. Uh, so we have a player right built right into the website, but we also are on uh, iTunes. Uh, I don't believe we are on SoundCloud, but uh, the best is just bangkokpodcast.com. Uh, that's got all the information right there. And uh, the the main guy, my co-host, is uh, Greg Jorgensen, a Canadian guy who's been doing it for almost four years now. And I'm the new guy, so I just became the co-host uh, about three months ago. So if anyone uh, wants... Yeah, Greg was, uh, Greg was on the podcast. He was on Talk Travel Asia as a guest twice at least. Cool. And I guess doing the crossover with Scott either last week or next week um, might make him tied for the most frequent guest. Oh, really? Cool, very cool. Well, I'd love to come back sometime. Just let me know. Yeah, you should go back and listen to Greg's episodes on Talk Travel Asia. We'll put links to those on our show notes. If you go to TalkTravelAsia.com, uh, we have links about what we talked about and uh, links to episodes of Bangkok Podcast that uh, Ed might have mentioned during the show, certainly to um, their webpage and uh, the, you know, just so you can find out. Facebook, I guess you guys use. Excellent. Thanks for having me on. Um, so thanks for joining me, Ed, and thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, we'll be back in two weeks uh, with another episode. Thanks for joining us on Talk Travel Asia. We look forward to sharing with you again soon. Hey, Scott, do you remember the time we walked on top of the wall at Angkor Thom in Cambodia? 